theyeshiva.net. This is the deeper meaning that the Kayan lifts up the Oymer. The Pasuk says, The Kayan takes the Oymer, which is literally the flower that came from the barley kernels that were harvested of the first night of Pesach and then the next morning they are uh, processed and the flour is produced you have to grind it and turn it into flour and then you have to refine the flour they refined it 13 times 13 sieves 13 sieves until it became very fine and once you have the flour so then there is the there's the tznufa, the, the kayan has to do kmitza, right? The fistful of, of, of flour. And uh, there's the tznufa, he waves it, and then it's burnt on the mezbeach. And the rest is eaten by the kayan. So he says, This is the deeper meaning that the kayan lifts it up. Generally, a kayan, it says in Zohar, that the neshamas of kayanim come from the world of chesed. That's why they were given the mitzvah of Birchis Kayanim to bless the Jewish people. And in the text of the bracha of Birchis Kayanim, there's something unique that you don't have in other brachas. Why don't we say all the mitzvahs should be done with love. Here, all the mitzvahs should be done with Ahava. Right? This is the only mitzvah that the bracha says, not just to bless the Jewish people, because a t'nai in Berches Kayanim is that the Kayan has to love the congregation. You know, it says if a Kayan hates somebody in the call, it's, he shouldn't go up for Berches Kayanim. It's a serious thing. The Balatanya once taished, a very geschmack of art, homiletically, Alpiremes. He says, <laughs> He commanded them to bless the Jewish people with Ahava. That's the bracha. The first bracha they give the Jewish people is Ahava. Not only Levorich, with their own Ahava. The bracha is Ba'ava, to bless the Jewish people, to give them Ahava. To give the Jewish people love, Ahava. I'll call upon him. So the chas, the koyin is associated with chesed. The heinef koyin represents the quality of chesed. The koyin is the one who uplifts the oimer. Shubchinas chesed alyan. Hella espchinas behemerabah hanal. He lifts up the this 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 concept, this pchinah that we're talking about, this pchinah of behemerabah al yidei oimer soira. Through the Oimer, Sa'ira, which is Shir He Hanal, the Shir He that we discussed, and the Pasuk says it's Lifne Havaya, which means Lamaila Mehavaya Kenaita. Which means as follows Elevating the sparks to their source which means whatever you're dealing with, your own animal soul, 
or the animal around you, the world around you, elevating the sparks, that happens through the avoid of every person. When he works with his gashmis, l'shem shamayim, he elevates the sparks. Hanafas ha'oymer. To lift up the oymer, this is a unique inyan. To lift up the oymer itself, what he says, to lift up the behemer rabba itself, the carbon oymer, which the carbon oymer is already a carbon. And to lift that up, that happens through the koyin. The koyin is the isha chesed. So he lifts up all of the nitzutzes who were, which were elevated to become a Michael Bahama. What's Michael Bahama? Michael Bahama, we explained this Michael Bahama Rabbah. After you refine the food, the food could become part of the person. After the person does what's called Avaidas Habirurim, working with physical stuff and working with his own personality and his own issues, which is by definition struggle, you bring back. Michael Bahama, you bring back the food to the source of the Bahama, to the Maishimar cover, which is Bahama Rabba. That's what the carbon oimer represents. So the Kaya now lifts it up. And he lifts it up through the oimer Sa'ira, this oimer of barley, which is sheer hay. And he lifts it up, Lifne Hashem. Lifne Hashem literally means before God, but on a deeper level, it means before means beyond, like before, higher. Lifnei is Lamaila. Because Shem Havaya, he says, Lifnei Havaya, Yutke Vovke, represents the Midois. And Lifnei Hashem is even higher than that. That the Koyen lifts up all of the Nitzutzes to a place that's even be, be, be higher than the four letters of Yutke Vovke, similar to what we learned in the previous Maimon before Pesach Sheshis Yomim, that Toyu is higher than Tikkun. And that's why the Rebbeinu Shaloylam established a system that a person needs food. And we cannot function or live without food. Because our soulful vitality and power and energy all comes from food. Whatever the food is, whether it's tzoymeach, whether it's vegetables, whether it's fruits, whether it's grain, and whether it's animal, whatever the food is, fish or, 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 or poultry, whatever the food is, but the food usually comes from Toyu, which is higher, but it fell down. It went through. It went through what's called a shvira, and the person elevates it, but he's also elevated by it. And the moitzapi Hashem there is deeper even than the moitzapi Hashem in the person, which is tikkun. So that's why the Kayan elevates it all the way. Lifne havaya lifne Hashem. Lifne doesn't only mean in the presence, but lifne means before. To a place that's even higher than Yudke Vavke, which is the reason that there are Birurim. So the function of Boirir, of Birurim, basically captures the struggle of humanity to constantly dissect things. Dissection is hard, because to dissect means you can't look at things superficially. When you look at something superficially, it is what it is. Boirir means you have to select, you have to separate like what Halacha calls in Hilcha Shabbos, in the, in the Halachas of Boirer, Oichel from Psoilus, right? Psoilus is what you don't need, and Oichel is what you need, the food from the dirt. Psoilus doesn't necessarily mean dirt, it can mean dirt too, but Psoilus means anything that's undesirable, anything that you don't want to go into your, uh, to your system. It's called Boirer. If I'm eating a salad on Shabbos, and I don't like onions, and the one who made the salad decided to put in onions in the salad, so I want to take out the onions from my plate, 
and put it aside. That's a problem on Shabbos. It's forbidden on Shabbos, biblically. That's called boyer. Right? I could take the good from the bad also with many conditions. Uh, it has to be with your hand, and it has to be to use right away. But uh, that's the concept. All boyer has to do always with sifting, selecting, separating. Spiritually, all of life here is called avoidus habirurim, birur, birur hanitsutsus. Why? It's all about boirer. What's the concept of boirer? Boirer is that I look at something and I have to say, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. Don't just put it all in the garbage. There's the avoidus to be mevarer. You have to be able to extract and you have to be able to extricate and to release and to liberate the spark that's inside. If I could use a quote from a different world, very different world. They once asked Michelangelo how he managed to become such a uh, great sculpture and you know produce these sculptures that are mind-staggering. So he said, uh, he said, I saw the angel set in the marble. And all I did was I chiseled away on the marble and removed the debris and set the angel free. In other words, I didn't create anything. I saw the angel inside and then I just had to set it free. In many ways, that's a good marshal what Avedis Abirurim is. Avedis Abirurim is you come into the world, you look at yourself, you look at other people, you look at life, and, and Yiddishkeit challenges you to be able to see the angel in the marble. Most people look at the marble, all they see is just a piece of marble. <laughs> but to be able to see, no, there's an angel in the marble, but it's trapped. Why is it trapped? Because there's a lot of things covering it up. And you have to start chiseling. And when you chisel, it's a big avayda. And the avayda is two things. First of all, you're always in doubt, is there an angel? And number two, just the work is hard. So you always have to get rid of the first doubt, that there's an angel. Once you get rid of that doubt, then the work is much easier because then you know that you're chiseling away to set the angel free. If you're in doubt that there's good, then you have a big challenge. If you extrapolate that over to the concept that we, before Pesach, of the toe, that any unrest that you have inside you is toe. So it's the same thing. You yes. have to always look into your yes. unrest and yes. chisel. It's the same, same, same idea. idea. You always look into the chaos. And if it's more chaos, it means it's a higher place of toe. Because it's a higher place of toyu, when it falls, it shatters much. It shatters in a much more dramatic way. When something falls from a higher location, when it falls down, the trauma is more powerful, the fragmentation is more powerful, the shattering is more powerful. Balatanya has an expression, kol ha-gavoya lamata Whatever is higher falls lower. The greater the potential, the greater the breakdown. The greater the love, the greater the loss. But that also means the greater the opportunity. Because if it's so much higher, that means in the worst chaos, you have the deepest sparks. Okay, now you have to be careful with this. This is not a clinical, we're not talking here about clinical remedies. You have to be very careful. You know, somebody, uh, I once, I was once teaching Tanya in Borough Park. I taught there for many years, every Sunday. We had a class, they made a series of Tale of Two Souls. We went through the first section of Tanya. It was like a hundred. It took six years. So, uh, so uh, I remember a woman came to see me then, and she started to scream at me. I destroyed the house and the family and the marriage. And I didn't know what I. I never saw. Her. I didn't know. <laughs> How can I destroy the marriage? I don't even know who you are. How can I destroy your marriage? 
So after she calmed down, and I told her that I'm not a monster, tell me what happened. So she said that her husband, her husband had a serious mental challenge, and he was on heavy medication, and he had to be on heavy medication. He started to come to my classes, and he came home and he said that with these classes, he doesn't need his medication anymore. <laughs> he said that he doesn't need medication anymore. He says, Tanya is a remedy for all mental illness, and therefore, he stopped. He stopped, and of course, he attributed that decision to yours truly, because the way I explained it, it means you don't need any, any more medication. So, uh, I called them in, I called them up, I called them in, and I said, listen, please do not, uh, do not do that. Chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom. Because when you have, a, you know, somebody has that type of imbalance, and this, they have to be very, very careful. I'm just bavarning that, it's important. Because sometimes people uh, mix things where they don't have to mix it. But this is a very profound idea that the, 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 the shoyrish of the chaos comes from a very deep place. So, v'heinef ha'koyen lifnei Hashem. So the question is, what's the purpose of this? Because through Birurim, one reaches a place that's Lifnei Hashem. That's why it says Yom Kippur also. So literally it means in the presence of Hashem, you will become cleansed. The Balatanya teaches Lifnei Hashem Titaru. All cleansing comes from a place that's even higher than Yutkei Vavke. Because the mitzvahs, are dependent on Yud Kevavke. It says in Zoyer that some mitzvahs are Yud, some mitzvahs are Hei, some mitzvahs are Vav. Some people, by Krishna Shalomitid, have a special Yehiratzim. Nusach Harizal, a special Yehiratzim, if I was poigim in mitzvahs of Yud, and Hei, and Vav, and Hei, basically Tfilah and Tfilin and Tzitzis, and Kriyashma. Kriyashma is Ois Yud, Tfilah is Ois, uh, is ois Hei, Tzitzis is Ois Vav, and Tfilin is Ois, uh, ois Hei. Krishna Tfilah, Tzitzis, and Tfilin. But Tshuva, Lifnei Hashem, a place that's beyond Yudke Vavke, where the sin didn't affect the person, from there comes Titaru. So the Kayan lifts everything up. And that's the secret why it says, And this created a major problem because the Tzdukim came along and said that it means Sunday. Sfiris Oymer starts on Sunday. Carbon armor starts on Sunday. There's a whole sugi Masechta Menachas. Rabbi Yechida Ben Zakei had to debate them and say Memacharas Hashabbos means not the day after Shabbos. It means the day after Yom Tov. Tzayin It could be on a Sunday. This year it happens to be on a Sunday, <laughs> so it works. Svirasoyim started on Sunday, Mitzvah Shabbos, but often it doesn't start on a Sunday. So why why does the pasuk have to write it in such a cold way? Now this is not a question in Nigla. If you start asking a question in Nigla, why the Pasuk writes it this way and this way, then there's no reason. Reb Chaim once said, Mir fregen vos, nisht far vos. Important definition. We ask what, not why. Now what can occupy a few lifetimes? What the Torah is saying, not why. I want to understand what the halacha is, what the Pasuk is, what the gather is, what the din is. And analyze it, but I want to understand what. In Torah's Hanister, they discuss the why also. So, why here does the Torah choose to say Mimachras HaShabbos and be deliberately ambiguous, creating space for so much debate? Now, ask a Shaila. So many halachas are, are, are ambiguous. Why there's so many arguments in Gemara and the Mishnah? Just be a little more clear. There wouldn't be an argument. Akasha Famaisa, right? 
There's a system how Torah was developed. We want to figure out what. There's a methodology, there's a formula. This is how God communicates, we figure out what. But Alpinister, which seeks the nister, the concealed, asks this question. Why does it say Memachras HaShab, it's not Memachras Yomtev? So he says here, very, very bekitze, he says Vidal. Dal means Daila Maven, it's enough for somebody who understands. And the point is, Memachras HaShabbos means that it's Lamayla Mepchines Shabbos. It's the marrow. It's the marrow of Shabbos, meaning it comes after Shabbos. It goes beyond Shabbos, like we said before. Lifnei Hashem vein if Hashem lifnei Hashem. It goes beyond, beyond, uh, beyond Yudkei Vavke. Generally, very bekitzer, Shabbos itself has various aspects, various pchinas, various madregas. Kabbalah and Chassidus talks about Maila Shabbata, Yoyme de Shabbata which basically means there's the experience of Friday night, Erev Shabbos at night, and there's the experience of Shabbos day, and it's two states of serenity, two states of tranquility. One is a serenity in which you cease from work, so it's basically the relaxation that comes after toil. It's like, you know, you finish the, you finish the work and you relax, and then there's a menucha that comes from a much deeper place. It's not in contrast to toil or agony. It's rather serenity within itself and then there's Memacharis HaShabbos which is even higher than Shabbos itself, that's why it doesn't say Memacharis Yamtev. it's even higher than the Pchina of Shabbos, that's where the Birurim go to so therefore Hanafas HaOmer to summarize represents what? it represents the concept of Birurim that the Omer has to be uplifted, what is the Omer? the Omer is Michael Behema fodder of an animal in this case, what is it? It's we take animal fodder and we bring it as an offering to God. What does this represent? Michael Bahama animal fodder exists on a literal level. You give food to your animal. It exists on a spiritual level. The animal doesn't begin here. The animal begins up there. It's known as Bahama Rabbah. It's known as Yama Elyon. It's known as Shem Ban. It's known as Malchus. It's known as the source of divine energy which basically is manifested in all physical matter, all, all animals, especially all animals, including the Nefesh Bahamas. And to bring it back up to that source, to elevate it back to that source, is Michael Bahama to feed the Bahama Rabbah. How do you feed it? Only by Birurim, just like we feed ourselves. The stomach, the digestive system must, must create this integration, must separate that's why we have all the Hashem made, we should have all the saliva. It needs the moist. It needs the moist. Solid stuff can't be digested. The first thing that has to, a system has to do is toichen. You have to grind it up. I don't mean to, uh, to be this graphic, but if you want to understand this, if you ever had the privilege of vomiting, as I had recently, so you know what the food looks like a few seconds after you ate it, and it's not a solid anymore. Immediately it has grounded up, it gets, it gets gel, it becomes like a gel, it becomes mushy. Why? Because that's what Birurim does. The first thing Birur does is, it doesn't deal with solids. It says, let's look inside, let's break it up. We have to create this integration and dissect, you have to look into the Pnimis, you have to differentiate the Pnimis from the Chitsonius. So really our body is doing this constantly. We're always doing Birurim. Why are we always doing Birurim biologically? Because spiritually that's the Avaidah. You're always doing birurim. Somebody tells you something, it triggers an emotion. You may get very, very upset and shut down because you're not doing avodas habirurim. If you would do avodas habirurim, what would you do? 
you would stop and ask yourself, what did this statement do? Don't look at it as a salad. Take the salad and do a little toichen, do a little boirer, grind it up. What did it do? What did it make you feel? And then you'll grow from it. You'll start, stop blaming the other person. You'll understand your own insecurities, your own stuff. You'll be able to build a relationship. Sometimes people are married for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and they're still getting upset from the same comment their spouse made a week after the wedding. 50 years later, they didn't have the courage or the confidence to look into it and say, what's going on here? You're still getting upset about the same thing. It's like, here you go again. <laughs> it's just after 50 years, you learn already how to maneuver. But, uh, but, but, but essentially, the person didn't grow. So Avodah Sabirim is very powerful. There's a word from the Baal Shem Tov. It's a half-lidike word. Sefer called Savos HaRivosh, from the Baal Shem Tov. So he asks a child about it. Baal Shem Tov used to always teach that every moment is about Dveikas. In every moment you have to ask, what's the opportunity for intimacy with Hashem right now? If that's not my question at the moment, I'm not living at the moment. I'm living in a different moment. That was a big side by the Baal Shem Tov. Today, people are into the power of now, living now, living the moment, and so forth. But it's, it's one of the biggest sides. Almost, it's like a given that Avodas Hashem always means living now, because I'm a chadash betuve bechol yem tamid masibereshes, and the creation is every single moment. So if I'm living yesterday or even an hour ago, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the world. I'm in a different world. I'm in a world that used to exist. So people, most people live in worlds that don't exist anymore. We live. We're shadows. We live either in future worlds or in past worlds, not in the world that exists. But to really live means to live right now, because God is creating me right now. So what's happening right now? There's something now. But if I'm living with toxicity or, or memories or, or, or burdens from the past, I'm not living with now. I'm not fresh. I'm not vibrant. And it's a challenge. We all know it's a challenge. To live really now. You're talking to me. It's right now. What's happening, life is now. So the Baal Shem Tev asks, in Savasar, just the question is interesting. He says, how can a person have Dveikas in the Beis Mela, outside of the Beis yeah, you could connect. But he says, in the Beis he says, it's not a place of Torah. It's not a place of Tefillah. It's not a place of Maisim Tevah. It's a place where... Uh... Okay, so today people answer their emails, maybe. So maybe that would be another answer. I don't know. Sorry. But... Uh... But that's what the Baal Shem Tov's question. How do you have Dveikas with Hashem, intimacy with Hashem in the Beis HaKisah? And then he says, he says, Poshet. He says, what's the whole function of the Beis HaKisah? This is what he says. The whole function is, Avoidus Habirurim. That's what he says. Avoidus Habirurim basically is the body ejecting that which does not have a place in your body. It cannot be absorbed into your bloodstream. There's nothing nutritious about it. There's nothing you can do with it. It ejects. That's what it's basically doing. So he says, essentially, that represents the ultimate dveikas. The whole element of dveikas in God is that every single moment a person is standing and is alert and is engaged in this avodas habirurim of basically looking at something and saying, okay, this is for me, this is not for me, this is good, this is not good, this is coming from this place, this is coming from this place. This is holy stuff. This is unholy stuff. This, 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 this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to an abusive part. This belongs to something I need to get rid of. So something I, I don't desire. He says that that's actually what's happening. So Bemela, Balatanya says elsewhere, that's why Boyer is Asr on Shabbos. Why is Boyer Asr on Shabbos? Because on Shabbos there's Aliyah Sa'elamis. 
Shabbos, the worlds ascend, and therefore the Avoid of Boyer, halachically, is forbidden, because spiritually it's not the Avoid of Boyer. The only Boyer that's mutter on Shabbos is if you take the good from the bad, and even that, right before you need it, right before you need it, right? And even that, you can't use a professional uh, sifter or, or nafa, kvara, sifter it. You use your hands, you, you, that, that you could do. So what does it represent spiritually? That during the week, there is an avoid of, of, of looking at the bad and separating the bad from the good. On Shabbos, the avoid is, you focus on the good and you take the good out. But the whole nitty-gritty of avoid is that's not Shabbos. Shabbos is a different avoid. Okay, that's a separate sugya. So, here you actually reach Mimacharas HaShabbos. Through the Hanafas you go even to a place that's beyond it. And that's, so the carbon Oymah is Michael Behemah. And the food of the Behemah, which Behemah? The Behemah Rabbah, the source of all the Behemahs, the Malachim. Their food is from the sparks that really came from them and fell down into the animal. And now when we elevate it, we give them back their food. Yoytzim Mesharsim. Vasher Mesharsov, Yoytzim Mesharsim are those new angels created every day from those sparks. That's what Michael Behemoth represents, and that's the carbon oimer, that's the Sairim. And that's why he was born in the Beis Hamikdash, it became holy. And in that Michael Behemoth itself, you lift it up. Hanafa Saima, which is what the Kayan does. In other words, in, in Kabbalistic terminology, he elevates Malchus even, which is the Behemoth Rabbi, even to a higher place. To a place of Lifne Hashem, to a place of Memacharas Hashabbos, that's the concept of Hanafa Saimer. What happens then is, starts Sphira Saimer. Sphira Saimer is, you count. What are you counting? So he says, After the lifting of the Aimer comes the void of Sphira Saimer, which is the opposite trend. What's the opposite trend? To now bring down the Ur Makif. Makif means the encompassing, peripheral, infinite light down into the animal soul of the person. The power for a person to affect his animal soul comes from the place of Lifne Hashem. Lifne Hashem Titaru. Mimacharas hashabbos yinifenu akoyin the koyin has to lift it up lifnei Hashem. That's hanofas ha'omer. That's what happens on tazayinisim. Now you have to start counting. What's the count? The count is to bring down that energy, to be able to integrate to integrate it into the person's life. This light is called hamshachis makifim. Hamshachis makifim means. To bring forth something that's makif. Makif literally means surrounds. In this case, surrounds doesn't mean physically it surrounds. It means it's something above, something transcendent, something beyond. So we say it surrounds it, it doesn't permeate it because it's beyond the consciousness of the human being. That's why it's called makif. When you have a shoimer, a guard, the guards are outside of a building, outside of a city outside of a fortress. The shoimer is outside, like a chayma, fortress. It's outside of the city. It protects it from outside. The perimeter. Huh? The perimeter. The perimeter. Like the klipa is outside of the fruit. The husk that God made in nature to protect fruits and so forth, vegetables, grain, it's outside of it. That's physically. Spiritually, what does this mean? 
Ur Makif represents an energy that is higher than that which is surrounding, and that's why it cannot permeate it in a way that it grasps it. It remains Makif. That's what a Shomer is. It's above it. It protects it from above because it's higher than its perimeters. It's higher than its realm. The Shmira of the Nefesh Bahamas comes, he says, from the Makifim. That's his Lashon. In other words, from a very aloof energy, which is Makif. So Hanafas HaOimer, which lifts up the Oimer, lifts up these sparks of the Nefesh Bahamas to a place that's Lifnei Hashem. This then allows, through Sphira HaOimer, when you could bring this down Lamata, this is what allows the person to deal with their, to deal with their, uh, to deal with their animal soul. Sometimes, in other words, the greatest success that a person has with his nefesh of Bahamas is there's two levels. One is negotiation, and one is I don't want to call it shock treatment, but something completely new. What do I mean? Let's say you're dealing with a nego- you're dealing with a negotiator, right? So you're sitting at a table, you're negotiating. You say this, you say that. It's a vart from Abchaim Shmulevich. It's a very deep vart, and his sichis musar. He asks, why is it, the Gemara says in Saita, that uh, when Yaakov was buried, Esau didn't allow it to happen, right? He was there by the Mars Machpeli, he said, Yaakov had two parts, he gave one to Leah, the second part is mine. So they sent Naphtali to Egypt to get the deed, because Yaakov really bought the Mars Machpeli from Esau. So Don had a son, his name was Chushim, and he was deaf. So he didn't understand. So he asked what's happening. So they said, they, I guess they motioned to him, what's happening? So he said, what? Yaakov is, my, the Zayda is going to be in disgrace here till Naphtali comes back from Egypt. So he gave, he gave Esav a clap. And Esav also died. And it says his head rolled into Yitzchak. That's what Rivka said. So Chaim Shmulevich said that uh, why only Chushim ben Don? You had the Yosef the most powerful person in the world under Para, you had there. You had Yehuda. These were gigantic <coughs> personalities. You had Shimon and Levi. They took on the whole city. None of them said anything. Esau is lying out of his teeth. <coughs> the old Russia came back to haunt his brother his last moments, not to give him his grave. Nobody, uh, yeah, the deed will go, this. Chushim, a grandson, we never heard of him. He's deaf. He's the big Hanoi suddenly. Chaim Shmulevich says, what happened to Yosef at Tzadik? Yehuda? All the Shvatim, no garnish. So he says, the problem is they weren't deaf. Because they weren't deaf, so Esau's perspective already became a reality. There's two perspectives. <laughs> you have a perspective. I mean, we're busy debating. The mile of Chushim is he was deaf. He was deaf. So the whole reality was reprehensible. For them, Esau had an argument. They had a counter-argument. But it already, it already became an argument. Chushim was deaf. There's engaging the Nefesh Bahamas on its terms. You have this perspective, I have that perspective. And that's important. But there, ultimately, you're playing in its... Uh, in its uh, you're in its playing field. You're in its zone. The power of negotiation, sometimes great negotiators will tell you is they'll come up with an idea that is so shocking that the other side is like, what? <laughs> like, what? You know, it's not like you'll offer $50,000 less, $50,000 more. It's so shocking, it's so unwarranted that almost you, they have no way of, uh, of counterbalancing it because 
you, you completely bring them to a different realm. The Ur Makif, the Ur Makif brings the, it's, it's the greatest Shmira. That's why the Shema is from outside. The Shema is the Makif. Because ultimately, Shmira comes from a place that's completely beyond. And because it's completely beyond, it doesn't allow the impurities of the Nefesh Bahamas to take charge. So that's the Makifim that come down, Svira Sa'im, as he's going to explain, to begin refining the Nefesh Bahamas from within. The second the second year is opposed to the Hanu, the first one, which is blinds you and the first one, which is the first one, which is the first one, which is the first the first one, which is the first one, the the Chesed. Lahagid baboiker chazdecha bemunoscha baleilus. Famous word from the Heliker Ruzhner, Bisrael Ruzhner, who said that uh, in people's lives there's a time of boiker and there's a time of laila. Morning is a time of brightness, of luminescence, and laila is a time of bleakness, of darkness. So that's why David Amalekh says, Toiv lahoidis la shemel azamel shemchelyen. During times of Boike, you could talk about Chazdecha. During times of Leilus, you talk about Emunascha Baleilus. Emuna. Faith. So there is darkness and there is light. Yoim is associated with, with Oyer, with light, with Chesed. So Hayoim, Yoim Echad Loimer. Yoim is Prinis Chesed. Kamashakosov, as the Posak puts it, in Tehillim, Yoimam Yitzava Hashem. By day, God commands his chesed. So he sees in this an association between yoimam and chesed. So each day we do hayoim yoim echad. Hayoim shnei yomim. Hayoim shloisha yom. Hayoim arba. But it always begins with hayoim. And we know in halacha that hayoim is quite significant. Because if somebody just does for your and says... You're not Yotza. Why you're not Yotza? Because the mitzvah is not to say how many days there are from the Oymer. The mitzvah is to count today, to count the day. Hayoim is Yoim Echad Loimer. Hayoim Shlosh Yamim Loimer. That's Alpi Halacha Pashit. If you don't say the word Loimer, it's fine. You don't have to say the word Loimer, that's just extra credit. But if you don't say the word Hayoim, you didn't do Sphere Saimer. That's essential. So Alpinister, Hayoim is a key because Hayoim is you're already introducing Chesed. Yoim mitzav Hashem Chazda. V'hainu b'chinas Chesed alyan lahamshech mil ma'ila mil ma'ila ma'ila l'b'chinas Oimer k'day sheiye bitul aratzim inefesh abahamas gam kendafk. The the key here is after Hanafas Oimer, after the Koyin lifted up the Oimer, now comes the count of the Oimer. What's the count? Hayoim Yoim echad la Oimer. Today, which Yoim represents Chesed, and the Koyen is Chesed. So you bring Chesed as always Hamshacha. Chesed is always giving, benevolence, generosity. So that's the Chesed Elyon, to bring down, Milmaila Maila, from a very lofty place, from a very lofty state. You want to bring the oil, the light, the Yoim. Yoim, of course, is Chesed. 
Yoim is light, luminescence, and the two are connected. So what I want to do is, Hayoim Yoim, whatever it is, let's say Hayoim Hayoim Shiva Yamim Loimer, what do I want to do? Or Hayoim Yoim Echad Loimer, what I want to do is, I want to bring forth the light to the Oimer. The Oimer is the Michael Bahema, which represents the animal soul within the person, that she too should find her relationship with Hashem. And this continues for 49 days throughout all the 49 Midas of the Nefesh Bahamas. <coughs> and this is also the meaning of the Pasuk Why here does it say The emesis that Karbonus have to be Liratzen. They have to be Liratzen, not Ba'inus. They have to be, but why here does it say? Doesn't it says it says a cloud has to be lertzaynchem, but here it says dafka lertzaynchem. Now we understand <clears throat> because the whole point of the carbonaim is to affect the animal soul. So he says v'zel lertzaynchem kadeshayi Here it's a chiddush lertzaynchem because you're dealing with the animal soul. So therefore, it's a chiddush. It should be lertzaynchem that even the rotsin of the nefesh habahamis should become. Reoriented. Through bringing forth the ray, the glow of the above makifim. What do we mean the above makifim? The above makifim, we spoke before that you bring up the oimer, which is you bring up the maichel behemer, you elevate all of the sparks to the highest place that's mimacharas hashabbos lifnei Hashem, and from there now starts a hamshacha, a flow downward till the person can internalize and affect his own animal soul, that's Hayyoyim Yoyim. You bring forth your Megala, the Hamshacha, which is Yoyim, Oyer, Chesed, Gilui. La'oymer, into your animal, it should be L'Rtsoyinchem. It should be that the animal soul also wants. V'zel usfartem lachem. That's the lachem. Hainu l'hamshich aras hamakifim hanal. Shehu mimacharas ha-shabbos dafke kanal. Lachem, lamata. Lapeches nefesh abahamiz gamkin shiye bitl L'Rtsoyinchem. We said a svartim lachem means that the essence spheres should be mayor by you. A svartim lachem, they should be mayor by you because through the avoid of spheres ha'oymer, there is a tremendous light that a person can access through which even the animal soul can experience, a bittel can experience alignment with Hashem. That's a svartim lachem. It should be counted and it should glow to you that after this great experience of anafas ha'oymer, you should take it and bring it down into your place, into your state. So this is the meaning of the pasuk. That's the meaning. So literally, it means you should count. And the Pasuk is giving you a simon. When should you count? From the day that you bring the Oymer, that's when you start counting. We start counting. Because that's the day we brought the carbon Oymer. That's the day that's Matir Chodosh. That's the day that you start counting. We start at night, because it says to me, But we start from the day that you brought the carbon Oymer in the Beis Hamikdash. Question? How do you touch uh, Chodosh itself with grains? New, new. You know what I'm saying? Into this, into this structure where it's a Michael Bahamic, Michael Bahamus that is, is, is uh, perfecting. Excellent. Michael Adam. 
The Michael Behema is perfecting even the Michael Adam. Right. Because the Omer is lifted up to a place that's Mimachar as Hashabas and Lifne Hashem, it has the capacity to make even the Michael Adam, like wheat, kosher for Jewish consumption. But we said that that Michael Adam anyway comes from the Lechem, the Chitim uh, that we're being matter anyway, comes from sources from, uh, in the, right. the same. Uh, the well, that's true, yeah. That's so, true. So he's saying that Mion doesn't mean from the time, but draw from this inspiration? Yeah. Not, no, I'll be pshat, it means from the time. No, no, but On a deeper interpretation, he's saying, right, draw from that inspiration. From that. From that. From that yoim. What's yoim? Yoim is light. Yoim is chesed. From that light, from that glow, from that energy, from that power through which you uplifted the Oimer all the way, Lifnei Hashem, even higher beyond Yudke Vavke. From there, Usvartem Lachem, you can begin through Sfiris HaOimer, bringing this down to you. What do we mean to you? To you doesn't mean only to your godly soul. To you means to your basic soul, to your, to your beastly soul, to your humanness, to your physical self. Usvartem Lachem. How? So the Pasa continues. Because you had a Mimachar Shabbos, because you have this Gilui of, that allowed you to bring Aymer Atunufa, from there, you could bring the light, from the word Sapir, Sapphire, you could bring the light to you. And he continues, for seven weeks, which are the, 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 the 49 Midas. So after lifting up the Aymer, which is sublimating, the Oimer, which is Michael Bahama, which means sublimating all of the sparks that are Michael Bahama, because all the sparks of Kedusha become the food of Shemban, of Bahama, and even that gets uplifted. That Yamha Elyon gets which is stands on the twelve uh, on the twelve bucker of Shloima. Even that gets uplifted to a place that's Lifne Yutkevovke. So now starts the Avoida to bring it back, to bring it into into uh, into the person. So the carbon oimer really represented a cosmic process where there was an energy that basically allowed there to be a vision of the entire animal kingdom of the universe, beginning with the animal within the, within, in the person and all of the physical matter to be uplifted to its ultimate source, which is then also uplifted. To a place of lifne yutke vofke mimacharas and then starts the Avedah of the Svira, which is, now I take from that inspiration and I introduce it into my individual situation. Because it's very easy to speak about Klal, but the Prat is always difficult to be able to say, how does this translate into my individual animal identity? And every day is a different Avedah. 49 days, Sheva, Shabbos, Tmimis, Tiena. It's seven complete weeks. When I focus on each day a different attribute, a different faculty, a different midah, as we know, all the seven midahs are encompassing all the other seven. Each midah, for it to be wholesome, borrows and lends to the other midah. There is what we call cooperation, as in cooperation. You operate together, you work mutually in camaraderie. What we call today interdependence. Not codependence and not independence, but interdependence. That's that. That's not codependence. That's recognizing, recognizing that there's something in you that I need, and there's something in me that you need, and as a result of that, every mida to be wholesome borrows and lends to the other midas. They're mutually in a relationship. So the first day, 
The first week is Chesed, the second week Vur, the third week is Teferis. And it's all the point of Osvartim Lachem, that my Midas should become reflections of Hashem's Midas. Hashem's Midas are called Sphirois, from the word light, sapphire, and numbers. My Sphirois, Osvartim Lachem, that my Midas should reflect Hashem's Midas. In other words, that even my animal soul should be aligned with its source. So that's why every single day is a different focus, because you're getting into the nitty-gritty of dissecting your particular particular midas. Lamashal, let's take today's sphere. What's today's sphere? A very interesting one, right? Netzach Shebenetzach. I'm Chal's Yartzach today, yeah. What is Netzach Shebenetzach? What does Netzach Shebenetzach mean in a person's life? It's the Netzach aspect of Netzach. Yesterday was the Tiferes aspect of Netzach. Tomorrow, tonight, tomorrow will be the Hoid aspect of Netzach. But, uh, but today is Netzach Sheba Netzach. What would that mean in a person's life? What am I focusing on? Does my Netzach have Netzach? <laughs> if it's Netzach, it's Netzach. No, some Netzachs don't have Netzach. This means, Netzach means to win, right? Lenatzeach, victory. It represents everything associated with ambition. Success, the ability, the fuse of the soul that allows us to be victorious. The Rebbeinu Shalom implanted in a soul the ability to be menatzeach, that despite all odds, despite resistance, despite stumbling blocks, despite failure, despite negative messages, I could prevail and overcome resistance either from within or from without. And we know resistance from within is usually a little harder than resistance from without, because it's hard to distinguish that the enemy is within. So what is Netzach Sheba Netzach? Netzach Sheba Netzach is, does my Netzach have Netzach? Does it mean, what does this mean? It means, it means a lot of things, but I'll just say one thing. Do I really want to win, or I just say I want to win? Do I really want to be successful, or I just say I want to be successful? Because some people, they say they want to win, they say they want to overcome the resistance, but they don't really want to. Because if they do, then they won't be able to sigh anymore. That when you meet them, they won't be able to say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In other words, if your life is really a success, first of all, you won't have anybody to blame. You won't, be able, you won't have an excuse to be miserable. You won't have an excuse to be in a bad mood. So therefore, as much as I say, I want to have a certain type of life, ultimately, I also push it away. I also push it away. I undermine myself. You know, some people say they want to be free. They really want to be free. If you're free, it means you can't blame anybody ever again. Because if you're free, it means you take full responsibility for everything in your life. Now, you could blame your mother, your father, your wife, your shviga, your shrey, your rabbi, your community, your kids, the yeshiva, God, amachayah. The moment you're free, who do you blame? You can't blame anybody. If you're really free, so freedom comes with a price, and that's called responsibility. So people say, I want to be free. Really? It's not so posh. There's some, there's some, uh, there's some, uh, there's some aspects uh, where the other way is sometimes more desirable for people. You want to win. Do you really want to win? Mm-hmm. You really, really, really want to win? You really want to make it a success story? I have to focus. How serious is my Netzach? Does my Netzach have the aspect of Netzach? Am I ov- going to overcome the forces in me that I really don't want to be Menatzeach? And this is true almost in every single aspect of life. There's an expression in Tanya that when Machshav has come into you, you have to be Deicheyu Bishteya Dayim. Push it away with two hands. What does it mean push it away with two hands? How do you push away a Machshav with two hands versus one hand? 
The pshat is sometimes you push away a machshava, but it looks like this. Sometimes you say no with one hand, but you say yes with the other hand. So as you say no, you're also saying yes. means you really say no. You really have that ability to say no. So it's just one example of a midah that a person could focus on. You know, if they have an ambition and they really want to accomplish something and they feel they should accomplish something, do they have the netzach shebenetzach? Is the netzach in a way of netzach? Does the netzach have netzach? So, L'sikum here, we have the Avoid of Sfiris Sa'imah, which represents transforming or reorienting or refining the animal soul to Kedusha. And for this, there's two stages. One is Hanafa Sa'imah, and then is Sfiris Sa'imah. One is Hanafa Sa'imah, which is lifting up the Aimer, and then is the concept of Sfiris Sa'imah, which is which is, uh, which is counting them, which is bringing it back into the void of a person's Nefesh Bahamas. Then after that, there could be Matan Torah and Shavuos Shogilu Yeritzayin Mamish Malmaidu Lamata after the refinement of the animal soul in Svita Saimer, there could be Matan Taita, which is Gilu Ritzayinu Lamata, the revelation of his will below, Hashem articulating his will below in this world, Shahu Lamayla, Mitfila Shulpchinis Yitzias Mitzrayim Shahu Haratzik And this is a stage above Tfila. Tfila, we said, is Pesach Yitzias Mitzrayim, which is the Ratzoy, the yearning, the aspiration to leave one's confinement. But Torah is even beyond Tefillah. Why? Despite the tremendous quality of Ava, he says, by definition, Ava is not Bittl Betachlis. It's not complete oneness, because there's a Yesh Misha Oyev. There's somebody who loves. Masha'enkin Belimud Ha this is the mile of Tfila over Torah. Tfila of Torah over Tfila. Tfila is Ratzi, Pesach. In holidays it represents Pesach, but there's a Pesach every day. Everything in Yiddishkeit is in the micro and the macro. So in the macro and the calendar, it's Pesach and Shavuos. Every day it's Tfila and Torah. Tfila which is followed by Sfira Sa'imer, is Ratzoi, it's the yearning, it's what he spoke about, the Psuki de Zimra, the Malachim, the Srafim, the Chayis, until you reach the crescendo, and that is the person's Ratzoi, that they want truth, they want to connect to truth. That explained before. But he says, Ahava is powerful, but it's not Bittel Betachlis. Because Yesh Misha Oyev. Brief words, but very intense words. What does it mean, Yesh Misha Oyev? <clears throat> love, by definition, means there's a lover. And the lover has an identity. And a separate identity. Yesh Misha Oyev. Now understand what he's saying here. This is very deep on a psychological level and even deeper on a spiritual level. To love, you have to be a Yesh. If you hate yourself, if you are valueless, if you're insignificant, you can't love.
Yesh Misha Oyev, there's somebody who loves. So it means two things. First of all, there is somebody who loves. Yesh Misha Oyev. Yeah, obviously there's somebody who loves. But that somebody has to be a somebody. <laughs> he has to be a Yesh. Yesh Misha Oyev. Why is it that if I believe that I'm a Shmata, worthless, insignificant values I can't love, you would think you could love even more. You know why? Because if you... If you're arrogant and haughty, so then, eh, I don't have space for you. But if I feel I'm worthless, yeah, so now I can love you. Because uh, there's no I blocking. The I is nothing. So it's all about you. It would seem far better. But it's not that way. Why not? Why do you think not? <laughs> Anybody? There's no I. So, better. So now there could be you. Instead, if there's I, I don't let you, you, you stay away. Now there's no I, you can take over. Because the idea is not for the loved one to fill the void. That's the, I mean, the loved one's not supposed to fill the void. It's supposed to be more of a complementary interdependent, like you said before. It's yeah, yeah. So that's, that's true. So I think first, for starters, Pashat al-Pipshat, I could give what I have. I could give what I have. I can't give you what I don't have. If I don't know what it means to be loved, I don't know what to give. I don't have what to give. I, I don't know the experience. I never had it. <clears throat> I never feel it. I'm completely unaware of it. So I don't even know really what it means. It goes really even much deeper. Because if I really feel unloved, so that means I have a void. Because the eye doesn't really feel that it's valued. That it has a strong existence. So the stronger I have a void, the void may become a bottomless pit. And a bottomless pit you could never fill. The more you pour, the more you have to pour because you just see you need more, 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 more. So really what happens then is in our relationship, I can't really give because I always have to be taking. And the reason I always have to be taking is because if I don't take, I don't exist. I don't feel comfortable suspending myself and saying now is your turn. I can't afford to give you a turn because to give you a turn is a form of mental suicide because I always need to fill that tremendous void. So I basically always have to receive from you. I need from you compliments. I need from you validation. I just always need you to be the way I need you to be in order to make me feel comfortable in my own skin. I could never actually say to myself, put yourself on the side and just listen to the other person, be here for the other person. And the reason is because I'm never safe. I'm never in a place where I could say, okay, you're good. I'm never good. It's a bottomless pit. I need, I need, I need. So imagine what that does in a marriage. All the husband is waiting for is the wife to say the next nice thing to him. And you know, that doesn't always come so often for her to compliment again and again and again. Sometimes part of the relationship is her expressing frustrations. And in his mind, right, that's almost a stab because he always needs that more validation, more validation, more validation. It becomes a very profound void that could never be filled. In, in Chassidus it speaks about a very important idea. The difference between Kedusha and Klippa is Kedusha could give and Klippa could never really give. Why? Because giving is always commensurate with confidence. If I lack confidence in my very existence, I can't afford to give because every iota that I get, I have to keep because I'm not confident with it. And this is very deep. Unholiness doesn't have real self-confidence. You know why? Because it doesn't really exist. 
and whatever doesn't really exist can't believe it really exists because it doesn't. So it's always protecting its existence so it could never give. Because how can I, I can't afford to give. I owe, every opportunity I need to take, and any, anything you give me, you know, it's like somebody who hasn't eaten in weeks, you give them a little bread, they're not sharing, they're just, they're just grabbing. It's impossible. I, 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 you know, it may be the last supper, no pun intended. Kedusha is confident, you know why it's confident? Because it really exists. Why does it really exist? Because it reflects true existence. It reflects true existence. So therefore, Klippa doesn't really exist. What do I mean it doesn't really exist? Of course, Klippa exists, but why does it exist? It exi- all existence is divine energy. So Kedusha reflects divine energy. It's very confident with its existence. Klippa is not confident. So therefore, it's very, it has a very hard time to give. It has to hold on to everything. So the more a person can actually be solid, the more they can appreciate it because they have it, and the more they could set themselves aside and give. It goes even one step deeper, and that is, psychologically, if I feel I'm a shmata and I'm valueless, so then if I am worthless, probably things I like are even worse. Because if I'm bad, so that means my choices must be bad. So if I love you, it means you must be horrible. So it actually works the other way around. You understand what I'm saying? If I think that I'm really, really valueless, there's certainly things I choose are certainly bad, because how can I, who is such a shmata, choose anything that's normal? So that means if I feel love to you, you must be really, really in bad shape. So it actually undermines it, because if I, I feel that if I love you, you must be pretty bad. So then what really happens here is that the love itself becomes toxic. The love itself becomes unhealthy. That's why it says, kamoicha. The Torah takes for granted that you love yourself. The Torah is saying, should be, like you love yourself, you should also be able to love somebody else. And the truth is, you see this all in Chumash, in one very specific place, in one specific way. And that is, when is the first time that love is mentioned in Chumash? The word love. Anybody? Yaakov Rachel. Yaakov Rachel is, I think, the sixth time. Yitzchak and Rivka is the second time the second time but what's the first time that love is mentioned in Chumash anybody huh? very good by the Akedah the first time is the end of Parshas Vayera we say it every day that's why nobody knows if you wouldn't say it every day you would probably know it but things we say every day the system blocks out. That's uh, Jews don't know that. Ashrei, Dakeid, all that. Kachnas binchas yichidcha, Ashera hafta. That's the first time love is mentioned in Chumash, on the way to Dakeid. Hashem says, "Take the son that you love." The Rebbeinu Shlomo testifies that Avram loves Yitzchak. Kachnas binchas yichidcha, Ashera hafta. Yitzchak is a beloved child. Hashem says he is beloved. I know you love him. Take him. Vaaleyu sham laela. That's the first time love is mentioned. The first lover is Avram. The first beloved is Yitzchak. Yitzchak is the first person who is loved in Torah. Now I ask you a question. What's the second time love is mentioned? Yitzchak married Rivka. He loved her. You see what's happening? The first one who's loved is Yitzchak. The second time love is mentioned is Yitzchak loves Rivka. 
Yitzchak is loved, he loves. If you continue, the next time love is mentioned, Yitzchak marries Rivka. Rivka has two children. Rivka loves Yaakov. Yitzchak again loves Esav. Yaakov is loved by, by Rivka, and then the next time you have Yaakov loves Rachel. So he who is loved, loves. Yitzchak is loved by Avram. That's the first love. And the second love is exactly the same person who was loved, loves somebody Why else. Huh? Who did Esav love? <laughs> 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 you have to ask him. I don't know. Yeah, he loved the soup. Huh? <laughs> the soup. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yitzchak told him, Aseli matamim kasher ahafti. Ahafti. That's another time Av is mentioned. How do you actually deal with somebody who is a constant, endless fit that always needs reassurance and gets very angry if you say anything different? I don't think you can deal with it. I think they have to deal with it. There's nothing you can do because it's not about you. It's about this lack of essential... I don't have a reality. And because I don't have a reality, it will never end. I just need more and more and more and more because there's nothing there. It's a bottomless pit. Yitzchak was loved so he could love. So here we're introduced to the concept of yesh misha oyev. An oyev means there's a yesh misha oyev. Without that, there's no ava. Although today we like writing very bekitsa, so we do love you, but there's no such a thing love you. It's I love you. Love you, we do it, you know, we don't, we don't like spelling letters because everybody's busy. But, but love presupposes as a prerequisite for love there's I and really if you think about it that is love all emotion what is what is emotion what is emotion emotion is energy in motion emotion energy in motion what is love love is my I I share with you my I connects with you my I bonds with you understand this that's what love is Rutzen, exactly Ava. Ava, my eye gravitates. It's not self-contained. It's not, it's not like this. It, it flows. It's a fluid. Like mayim is chesed, because it's a fluid. So my eye gravitates and it flows to you. So there's an eye, and that eye connects with you. If you never loved, you can't love So if you were never loved, if you didn't have Avram Avinu as a father, or you had, or, you, or, or, or for whatever the situation was, a person later in life has to be able to discover God's love to them, which is unconditional. As we're going to say in a few minutes. And if you can discover that unconditional love of Hashem to you, so in many ways that allows a person to recreate their identity in a very powerful way. Like David HaMelech says in Tehillim, we say it a whole month of Elul for a reason. Ki avi v'imi azavuni. Right? You remember? My father and mother abandoned me, and David HaMelech meant it because of his unique story, which now is not the place. But he found that relationship. There's a Pasuk in Hosea. You know, the Gemara says in Kedushan, Abaya was a double orphan. His father died before he was born. His mother died after. He was raised by his uncle, Rabbah. Why did they name him Abaya? So the Arizal says, Abaya's Rosh Hashanah is a Pasuk in Hosea, Isaiah. Asher Bicha Yerucham Yasim. In you the orphan will find love. Abaya Asher Bicha Yerucham Yasim. His uncle gave him a name 
or his mother, whoever gave him the name, to empower him. In you, the Yasim will find love. A Yasim could mean chas v'shalom, an orphan, the parent, parent passed away, or parents. But there's also a psychological Yasim. Psychological Yasim means some people have parents, but they don't have parents. They don't have parents, or at least they don't feel they have parents. For whatever reason, but whatever it was ever there was happening here. So the, what the person has to do, in you the Yasim has to find love. In other words, he has to find a deeper relationship with God that maybe another person may not be compelled to find. Asher Becha Yerucham Yasim. That's what Arizal says. That's why they named him Abaye. It wasn't his name. It wasn't his name. His name was Rabbe. Rabbe, but his uncle's name was Rabbe. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Rabbe Bar Nachmeni. Rabbe Bar Nachmeni, yeah. And, and he was named after his father. He was a Yosin, Nachmeni. But his uncle didn't want to call him by that name because it was his own father's name. You understand? So therefore, he gave him a different name, Abaye. So some say Abaye is Moshna Avi, my father's name. But Arizal says Abaye is Asher Bechay Rucham So love is defined as Yesh Misha Oyev. Love presupposes a lover. And not only physically, obviously, love means that there's somebody who loves. You should love God. You should love. I love you. But it's also conceptually. That's the Nakud. So we explained it on one level, which is part of the explanation. In order to be an Oyev, there has to be a yesh. You have to have identity. You have to feel that you're significant in order to be able to love in a wholesome way, in a passionate way, in a healthy way, in a functional way, in an embracing way. Well, they say love yourself before you can love others. Who's they? Who says it? They say psychologists. <laughs> okay. We have a big psychologist. Is that true? <laughs> well, I didn't hear the statement. Okay, is that what you tell your patients? <laughs> so Yesh Misha Oyev presupposes there's a Yesh who loves. And Yesh in a good sense. Yesh in a good sense. There is an I who loves. And that's a vital point. It's a critical point. It's an extremely critical point. Without it, as we discussed, the love could be driven by guilt, the love could be driven by insecurity, the love could be driven because I need you to fill my voids, the love could be driven by a need for codependence, the love could be driven because I want you to live my life, the love could be driven because I hate myself, and uh, in that process, ultimately, I can't even respect you because if I don't respect me, I certainly don't respect my choices. <laughs> so how can I respect you? If I don't respect me, I don't respect my choices. If my very self is rotten, certainly my choices are rotten. And if you're my choice, that means you're also rotten. So ultimately, there's a lot of toxicity that's moved into my choice that, 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 that's, that, uh, that contaminates and tarnishes my choice. So this is a very powerful idea. There's a yesh misha oyev. But now, let's take it to the next level. So Ava, as profound as it is and intense that it is, basically, ultimately, as he says, 
It also represents the fact that it's not the ultimate unity between the two, because ultimately I retain my identity, and I have to retain my identity to be, to be a lover, to be a, a yesh, a yesh mishayev. Which we now come to the contrast that he makes between tefillah and Torah. And here we have quite a shocking development in the world of Hasidus. The way people conventionally or historically describe the, the, the novelty of Hasidus or the Chiddush of Hasidus or the controversy that it's created is that in the world, so to speak, of Lithuania, if you want to call it the Litvisha world or the world of the Mesnagdom and so forth, the big emphasis was always Torah, 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 learning, learning. And the Balshamtiv and his students said, but what about inspiration? And what about warmth? And what about passion? And what about the heart? And what about the soul? And what about people who are not brilliant? And what about people who cannot sit and learn all day? And what about people who need different venues to connect themselves to God? And therefore there was a big emphasis on tefillah, and a big emphasis on simcha, and a big emphasis on dveikus, and a big emphasis on camaraderie, and a big emphasis on finding God within Gashmias and all that, and so forth. And yet, when you read, read this Maimer and many, many other discourses of the Balatanya, we see that that is quite a simplistic and perhaps not erroneous misconception. Because what we're going to learn here is, he's going to show that even though tefillah is a major step of dveikus, it represents the whole experience of love, ultimately, the ultimate unity happens through limit ha-tayra. The ultimate intimacy happens through limit ha-tayra. Why? Because, this is what he's going to say, Torah Shvuas is higher than Pesach. Pesach represents Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, which represents tefillah, which represents Ratzoy, which represents Vahafta, which is the yearning, the love, but love by definition means I am I and you are you and I love you. That's how love works. If there's no I, there's no love. It's not healthy love. It's not functional love. It's not real love. It's not authentic love. Wouldn't the higher that you go in levels of, I guess, Advekas to Hashem mean that the, clo- the less um, you see yourself as you and him as him? That's the, the point. That's the point. And that's what happens through Torah. So Ava is the desire of the person to come close to Hashem. So even though we're dealing with a very sacred and powerful experience, in the words of the Balatanya, because the definition of love is, I cherish you, I love you, I want to be close to you, and I want to have more of you. Yesh Misha Oyev. Mashenkin Hashem Mamish Befiv. What is Torah? Torah is the words of God, mamish in your mouth. What are you doing when you're learning Torah? Hashem tells Yeshaya, I will put my words in your mouth. Dvarai mamish, my words. This is a quote from an interesting sefer. Magid um, Meisharim, the Beis Yosef, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, had a spiritual angel who would visit him and teach him Torah. And he recorded all of those visions in a book called Magid Meisharim. You read, and you read, you read the Beis Yosef on tour, the Kesef Mishnah Rambam, the Shulchan Aruch, but then you see a whole other side of the Beis Yosef that was highly, highly mystical and otherworldly. He had these visitations from a spiritual angel who would teach him Torah. And it's quite a fascinating book, and he has the date. He says, it was this and this date at this time, and I had a vision, the Magid came to me, and this is what he said. So there's an expression that the Magid, this, he called him a Magid, the spiritual Magid, tells the Beis Yosef, Ani ha-mishna ha-medaberis b'ficha. 
I am the Mishnah that speaks in your mouth. I am the Mishnah that speaks in your mouth. The Gemara says in Erevin, Elu ve'elu divrei elekim chayim, about Beishami and Beisilol. Sheim divrei elekim mamish gilirei tzayin alamata. Torah is considered the words of Hashem, it's the articulation of His Ratzin Lamata. Vezel v'dibar tabam, this is what we say in Kriyashma, v'dibar tabam, bam mamish. V'hoyu advarim ha'el ha'shar noichi mitzavcha ha'yoyim ala v'avecha v'shinantam l'vanancha, v'dibar tabam, what does it mean v'dibar tabam? V'dibarta, v'dibarta oisam. It says v'dibarta bam means you should speak them. What means? What's the chiddush of speaking them? Because it's divrei Hashem. It's really God's words. It's God's God talking. V'hupchinas bechol nafshecha. This is the concept of bechol nafshecha. Hainu lekasher machshava b'machshava to connect thought with thought. So from bechol levavcha you graduate to bechol nafshecha. So we have our two stages in dveikas, two stages in the relationship. One is Pesach, the second is Shavuos. One is Ratzui, the second is Shuv. One is, is, is Vahafta, and the second is Limud HaTayr. The difference is, Tefillah, by definition, is the experience of I. I love you. I'm inspired by you. I'm moved by you. And I want to connect to you. And then there is the deeper intimacy that's experienced through Tayra. What is Tayra? Tayra is actually the words of Hashem Himself, and the words of Hashem Himself are internalized in the thought of the person and in the words of the person. So here it's not about I. It's not about my experience of you and my connection with you. It's rather experiencing Hashem's will and Hashem's wisdom in this halacha, in this Torah. The concept of Torah is to reveal the truth that was given over the Moshe Messina. So he's not saying his own words. It's like Hashem, so to speak, is putting the words in his mouth. That's the experience of Torah. So Torah is an intimate relationship where you become one. So in a relationship, there's two stages. One is, I love you, I yearn for you, I want to connect to you. So ultimately, it's about I, even though my I is moved by you. In Torah, the I melts away in the you. When a person learns Torah, what is happening? What is happening? The Torah fills his mind. The Torah fills his heart. The Torah fills his mouth. What is the Torah? The Torah is the divine. So here the I melts away in the you. Here the I loses itself in the you. There's no I. There's not yesh mishayim. I'm excited by you. I'm inspired by you. What is it? You. So in a paradoxical way, they used to say, you could, you could be a bent Torah, learn, learn, learn Torah, but no inspiration. We know that very well. A person could learn and learn and learn and be a, learn, go through Shas, but there's no inspiration. There's no Avas Hashem, there's no Dvekas, there's no Ruchnis, there's no Tefillah. Right? That's one level of Torah. That's Torah when you look at, you're just learning Torah. It's an intellectual, you're learning Shnai Meichs and Betalas. You know, you're learning Beit Shashnol to Beyomdav. You're learning Mavu Yishe Shelamayla Masterman. Whatever you're learning, you're learning a suga. It's intellectual, it's, it's challenging, it's interesting, it's enriching if you, have, if you have the head for it. And people who are trained with it, sometimes that's their whole experience of Torah. So this is Torah that is, you don't look at it and see it as a spiritual experience. In the world of the Balatanya, the very, coldness of the Torah experience is really because it's deeper than the tefillah experience. Because it's not about me anymore, so it's not about inspiration. It's about complete oneness. Complete oneness doesn't mean I'm inspired by you, I'm moved by you. It means I'm one with you. But You understand what I'm saying? The lack of inspiration can be seen as two ways. 
from a technical point of view, without the perspective of Pnimis, without the perspective of Chassidus, Tefillah is the passion and the warmth, and Torah is the knowledge. And here's where the contrast was so profound between a world that focused on this and a world that at least also focused on something else. The question is, what's the Iker, what's the Tafel, what's the emphasis, what's not the emphasis, and so on and so forth. Right? And here we're discovering a different process. We're discovering that actually in Avodah Hashem, Torah is a higher state of Dveikus, and it's his, what would seem like is his chisorin is its real maila, because the fact that there's no inspiration, inspiration means I am inspired, yesh misha'ayev, which is a very important step in a relationship. But let's speak about it practically in a relationship. There's two stages in a relationship. One stage in a relationship is, let's say, a person is very close to a friend, very close, let's say, to their spouse, or very close, and they want to be near them. They wanna, I want to just spend time with you, I want to be with you. But then your spouse says, I need you to do a favor for me. I need you to go to the store and buy milk. <laughs> I need you to go to the airport and pick up my brother. I need you to go fix something in the house. You say, no, 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 I want to be with you. <laughs> I want to be with you. Yeah? So we all understand that as romantic as that sounds, there's something flawed about it. What's flawed about it is, I don't want you to be with me <laughs> on your terms. I want you to be here for me also on my terms. Mm-hmm. And this is what I would like you to do for me. So when you go away, you're actually fulfilling my will. In a way, you're much closer to me because it's not about you. Ava is romantic. It's passionate. It's beautiful. And it's necessary. But it's about yesh misha oyev. And that's its value. It's my yesh in love with you. What does Torah represent? Torah represents not b'chal avavcha, but b'chal nafshecha. The dveikus of the nefesh. That the whole nefesh is one. It's the person melting away in the identity of Hashem. That's the dveikus, the real dveikus of Limit Torah. So in many ways, the ecstasy of Torah was deeper than the ecstasy of Tefillah. Because the ecstasy of Torah is complete oneness. Complete intimacy. Like the Torah says about Adam and Chava. Al-Kain Yazav Ishes Avives Imoi V'davak Be'ishtoi and then, v'hoyu, lebasar echad. It becomes one flesh. Intimacy becomes complete integration. He says this is called bitl betachlis, complete self-nullification. But it has to come after tefillah. It has to come after tefillah. A person, imagine, gets married, and they get married, and they say, you know what, I don't exist in this relationship. Only you exist in this relationship. You understand it's not going to be a relationship. But this avoda also requires yearning to get to here. Of course, so this shouldn't be of shown. course. So this shouldn't be shoved. This should still be rutzo. Oh, oh. So why is this called shoiv versus rutzo? Because that's really what shoiv is. Rutzo means yearning. Shoiv means returning. Why? Ultimately, rutzo looks much more spiritual than shuv. But shuv represents much more oneness than rutzo. Because you want me to return. Because you want me to return, so therefore in the return I'm closer to you than in the yearning. Even though the yearning means I want to leave my parameters and I want to come close to you. Shuv is, go back to your state, because that's where my will is. And that's what Shvuas is. Shvuas is articulating the Ratzin of Hashem Lamata. That's what Torah is. Torah articulates the blueprint for God in this world, in Halacha. So that's why, emotionally, it's the state of shuv, of making peace. Making peace with your position, because your position is an articulation of God's will. Hashem's will. Where Ratzi is, 
I essentially yearn, I essentially yearn to go out of my vessels and melt in you, become you, which is very powerful. That's Ahava. But ultimately, in a paradoxical way, that has more Yeshus than Shuv. Because Shuv is like separating, it's the distance out of coming, coming from the fact that I'm obeying you, I'm committed to you, I'm following your will. Even though my experience would want me to leave my parameters and just spend time in your, in your, uh, in your Daladamas. In the morning when we say Shema, yeah. we hold the tzitzis by the light. Yeah. And when we say Shinantam, uh, we then remove it from the light. Yeah. So usually you think because oh, is why you're holding it, but now you could say you also is the reason why you're removing it because now we're no longer talking about um, mitzvah, we're yeah. talking about the Torah, Shinantam and Benecha. So you're removing the idea of the heart, of emotion. Teshuv. Yeah. yeah. So that's why he says, right? That's the culmination of davening. You're leaving Mitzrayim Ratzoy. And then in our own davening, we make a transition. We make a transition. And we include the Nefesh Bahamas as we discuss the angels. That's Sphira Sa'imer. And then we go, we have Torah. So we have Pesach, Sphira Sa'imer, and Shavuos in a microcosm in our daily experience. In other words, the calendar of Judaism is basically choreographed. It's designed in a way that it really also exists in the micro on a daily basis. You go through the whole calendar in different, in different modes and different situations. And yet, you can't get to Shavuos without Pesach. There's no real shuv without without uh, without rotzi. and this is what he says. Chazal say a fascinating gemara mesechta yevamis. Kol ha'omer enli afilu Somebody who says I have only Torah, he doesn't even have Torah. So literally, it means somebody who says, you know, only Torah. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. As we would say today, I don't have to be a mensch. I don't have to do Gemilas Chasadim. So come, Lam, if there's only Torah, you don't even have Torah. Alpi Pnimi is the Balatanya is teaching something very profound. Kolaimir Ainli El Torah means I only have Torah, is he doesn't find the God in Torah. For him, the Torah becomes an autonomous experience, challenge, and enjoyment. Torah, Torah, Torah. He doesn't see the godliness in Torah, the Ruchnius of Torah, the Edelkeit of Torah. Kolaimir Ainli El Torah. He doesn't see the inner energy of Torah, the divrei lekim chayim of Torah. I feel Torah in why? Because he's approaching Torah as an egotistical person, as a yesh. As he doesn't have the bitli, he doesn't have the closeness, doesn't have the dveikus. As I afke shemedabe divrei Torah, ain't zedvar Hashem klal. So when he's speaking it's not the words of Hashem and it's not the Gilead Ritzayin. Now you have to understand what he means. He doesn't mean it's not the words of Hashem. If he's learning a Mishnah, if he's learning a Gemara, if he's learning a Pasuk Chumash, it's Elu, it says Elu Ve'elu Divrei Chaim. What he means is, it's not revealed as the Dvar Hashem. He can't experience it as the word of Hashem because he's not allowing it. He's blocking out that experience. He's not opening himself up to the divine vibrations of Torah. In other words, the real experience of Limudat Torah is you're in a conversation with God. You're listening to God. Let God speak in you. That's what, it's a Matan Torah. I'm sitting in your presence and I'm letting you speak. I'm letting you fill me. That's the experience of Torah. But if somebody blocks that out, Ainli Ella Torah, I just know Torah, Torah, Torah as an independent reality. Afilu Torah Ainli. What's that Afilu Torah Ainli? 
He can't experience the power of Torah as Divri Elokim Chayim. Ain't the He doesn't hear the Gilui Haratzen. I'm going to tell you a fascinating thing. They say that the Balatanya, when he would discuss a sugya with his children or close Talmidim, he would often say like this. He says, Lomer, Lomer Lenen, the Pasuk in Chumash. Okay, we learned the Pasuk in Chumash. Yet Lomer Zen was the Mishnah Zakt. Let's see what the Mishnah, when he was discussing a sugya from the beginning, tracing it down, bringing it down, let's see what the Mishnah says. This is what the Mishnah says. Let's see what the Gemara says. Let's see what Rashi says. Let's see what Toysva says. Let's see what the Ran says, what the Rajbis says, what the Rishonim say, the Achroinim say. So we've discussed the whole sugya. Now he wanted to bring out, to go to the Halacha and Shulchan Aruch. What's the Halacha? So he said, Unyetzt, Unyetzt, Lamirlenen, Vazder Ebrishtevil. And now let's discover what Hashem wants. What does Hashem want? And he would learn the Halacha and Shulchan Aruch. You understand? It's the same Halacha. Now let's learn what Hashem actually wants. What does he want? That's the Psagdin Allah Chalamaisa. That's the experience of Torah. Kalaimir Ainli Torah is a filotaira ainloi. In other words, even this vart, what Torah really is, ainloi. It, it's dvar Hashem, you know, can't take that away. But ainloi, he can't have that experience. And therefore, Aktsarachli is Mekaidim Khinas Haratsi. So first you need Ratsi, which is Yitzias Mitzrayim in Matalamaila. You have to go out of your own Mitzrayim, your own restrictions, your own confinements, your own exile. You go out of your own Mitzrayim, your own limited paradigm, where you cannot experience ultimate expansiveness. You want to graduate from Shmoi to Atzmi Yusoi. From Malchus, you want to go beyond the Malchus, as explained before. Vayideza, through this Ruach, Aisi Ruach, Vamshich Ruach. The Zoyer has an expression. Your Ruach brings forth a Ruach. Spirit generates spirit and brings forth spirit. An arousal from above creates an arousal from, ab- from, ab- from below, creates an arousal from above. The tefillah creates Torah. It creates a vibrant dynamic where Kivayachal, Hashem is being Mamshech his Ratzin Lamata right now. He's being Mamshech his Lamata. In other words, as you, you say, I want to be with you. So God says, and I want to be with you. I want to be with you, that's tefillah. So God says, I want to be with you, that's the Gemara. You get it? I want to be with you. Hashem says, and I want to be with you. So I want to be with you, that's the experience of davening. And I want to be with you. Here is my Torah, here I am. Now open it up, here you'll have me. I want to be with you. But in order to be able to get that response, there has to be an, an arousal, that's ruach, aisi ruach, v'amshich ruach. So true, ratzoi is step one. Torah is deeper than Ratzoi. Torah is deeper than Tefillah. But without the Ratzoi, it's not, the, it's not that Torah. It's only the external shell of Torah. It's, it's not the full experience of Torah. So that's why Shavuos comes after Pesach. So Pesach is Borach Ha'am. It's, it's the running away from your Mitzrayim. And then Shavuos is God says, and now we're going to make peace. We're going to make peace with the world. I'm going to show you how when you have an egg that's born from a hen, my will applies to that physical reality, to the physical world. And when you're dealing with acquisitions, and you're dealing with transactions, and you're dealing with meshiches, and you're dealing with shtaris, here you have my will. It's gilu yritzayne lamat, it's articulating his will the way it relates to the concrete physical world. So that anxiety, the frustration, the yearning is followed by resolution. So this is the tefillah, that, this is the Torah that comes after the tefillah.
This is the Gemara in Yevamas, Kala Oimer, Ainli Elatoira. I feel a Torah ain't lie. You don't understand. You don't even have, you're stripping Torah from Torah. If you say, I only have Torah, you're not, you're not giving yourself the gift. You're not giving yourself the real gift of Torah, which is God having a living conversation with you. It's actually a living, a living conversation. Ah, he finishes here. Ach, let's just finish these few lines here. However, we know that uh, <coughs> what is it? In Torah, the Ratzon of Hashem has to manifest itself in physical things. Kemoitrumas, Maestras, Karbonas, the Lav Urche de Malkele Shtoibe Milindahadiyot. The Zoyar says it's not common for a king to speak peasant language, to speak peasantry words. Right? It's not the derech of the king. There's an expression, meaning, when you learn a halacha in Karbonus or halacha in Trum and Maestras, it's essentially God's will and wisdom. But God's will and wisdom is absolutely infinite and transcendental. And yet, here the wisdom and the will is relating to something very technical very nuanced, very practical, mundane. Huh? very mundane. And the all of halacha is mundane. So, how does his Ratzin and Chachma make such, go through such a metamorphosis to become applicable to the mundane? It's not the derech of the Melech. So he says, he says, that's why you need a Ratzin. You need to arouse. Torah has to come after Tefillah because by you saying, I want to be close to you, he says, I want to be close to you. And the way he's close to me is he takes his Ratzin and Chachma and compresses it within mundane matters, within Milan Dehad Yoyta. That's what all of Torah is about. That's what, before Shavu is, the Kayan has to lift up the Oymer, which is the barley, which is sheer hay. It's the sheer, it's the measurement of the five Mitzayis HaPeh, the five sources of letters which bring down all the divine energy into the diversity of the world. Which is the food for the great animal that we discussed above. The Kayan had to lift up the Oymer, which is the Sarusa de Latata, to lift up your animal. So once you lift up your animal, now what happens? Now it's not such a mundane animal. So now God can talk about the animal. You understand? Then through Sphere Saimer, you bring it down, downwards to the Nefesh Bahamas. So now what happens? The Gashmias becomes elevated. Now, so now he could come down. He can give This is Hashem articulating and revealing his intimate, infinite, absolute will down here in the letters and in the concepts of Torah because we went through the process of Ratzui, but also the process of Hanafas Oymen and Sphiris Oymen. Then comes Shulis. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.